Thanks for tuning in to the Michigan Business Network. You found the Michigan Corners where we talk about all things meetings, events, festivals, and tourism in the Great Lakes State. And one of my favorite things to do is cross the bridge and get to the Upper Peninsula. It just makes me feel like I'm in a whole new country and it's such a pristine and beautiful area. And one of the things that I'm excited to do today is introduce you to Tom Nemechek. He's the Executive Director of Upper Peninsula Travel and Recreation. So Tom, welcome to our show. Hey, it's great to be here. Thanks. I'm so glad you took time to be with us, Tom. And of course, before we get too far into it and start talking about some of the great things going on in the Upper Peninsula, tell me a little bit about your background. And really, before we go there, I guess, tell me about what your organization does. What's it all about? Well, it's all about creating overnights for tourism. So, you know, the organization's mission basically is to promote all the products and services that we have to offer the tourists or any visitors, actually. You know, so overnights are the ideal. We have a lot of day trippers. It's strictly a marketing organization. We don't do events or anything. It's we're 100% marketing. Yeah. Well, I think it's really exciting because, you know, there needs to be an effort to help and assist organizations, especially coming out of the pandemic. I don't know all of the challenges, but you know, I just remember what tourism used to look like in Michigan. I grew up just outside an area called the Irish Hills in the southern part of the state. And boy, it was kind of hokey finokey stuff. And I just loved it, you know, but those things, a lot of those elements are gone. But one of the things that's not gone is the beautiful, pristine wilderness of the Upper Peninsula and the great history. So it's kind of neat to be there. Now, Tom, are you a native of the Upper Peninsula? Well, I guess I've been here long enough now. They consider me a native. I've been up here 54 years. Oh, well, that should do it, really. I guess I qualify. I was born in Detroit, though. Yeah. And I lived there till I was 16. And then my mom and dad decided to go to Ironwood, Michigan, which was home uh, to them. Yeah. Oh, and, very uh, good. I came kicking and screaming <laughs> and then spent some time, in, you know, going to school. And I was in the Air Force and they put me at K.I. Sawyer outside Marquette. Oh, yeah. So I guess I'm destined to be here. So I've been here, I guess, 54 years. That's pretty cool. And of course, the rest is history, as they say. But, you know, so tell me, did you start this organization or how did this organization come about, the Upper Peninsula Travel and Recreation Organization? Yeah, amazingly, it goes back to 1911. Oh, wow. So, I mean, it's fun to look at the early information because (laughs) I do have, I have publications about you know, promoting the UP back to that time frame. Oh, can you imagine? And what gets me is when I think about it is the people that came together in 1911 to do this, because it was, you know, all 15 counties of the UP are part of this. So getting together in 1911 was not exactly, you know, easy. Yeah. Yeah, there were automobiles, but they were, you know, a little less dependent than today. So they got together and formed this organization, and it's been around that long. My goodness. And so, Tom, when they formed the organization, did it have the same basic focus that it has today, or were they trying to do something different in those days? It was about getting people to move up here and really to develop a different approach to the economy. At the time, we were the world's largest producer of copper and iron. So, I mean, people had come from all around the world, literally all around the world, to work in the copper and iron mines. So we had that going for us, and it was to develop more of the agricultural or the outdoor or farming or anything to do with the agricultural world to get people to move up here. So the beginning of it was all about 
creating reasons for people to move their families, start businesses, and work up here. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because, you know, whether it's timber, which is potentially, uh, some would call that part of the agricultural economy. And then on the eastern end, you know, I happen to know that there's some outstanding operations that grow some amazing hay, and they have some very impressive customers for that final product. There is a lot more agriculture in the Upper Peninsula than you might think. And of course, there's so many good things that are going on there with people that have moved there over the years and things that have gone on. Now, one of the things, Tom, I think you would agree, I don't know if I have my numbers right, so you can help me, but if Michigan has roughly 10 million people, I'm under the impression that the Upper Peninsula only has about 300,000. Are those good numbers? Those are good numbers. And I think the interesting thing about numbers when it comes to population is that in 1911, when we were formed, the UP was bigger than it is today in population. Oh, really? So 300,000 has been a good number. Yeah, it is interesting. But keep in mind that when you're the largest copper and mining in the world, when you're done mining, people leave. Yeah, good point. uh, It's an extraction business. So, you know, we built the city of Boston in many ways because that's who owned the mines, the copper mines especially. But when they're done mining, people, there's nothing for them to stay for. So I think a lot of people would think of Marquette as being our largest community, which it is. But back in the day, it was Houghton, Hancock, and Calumet because that's where all the heavy copper mining was. You know, and when you drive through that area, we can get into that in our next segment, but when you drive through those areas, you can tell there was a time when that was a pretty big deal. And of course, those areas are just stunningly beautiful, which I can't wait to unpack here in our show. We're just so glad, Tom, that you took time to join us today here on Michigan Corners. This is the Michigan Business Network. We're going to take a quick break and come right back. Thanks so much. We do office and have been exceeding our customers' expectations since 1984. DBI is celebrating its 30th anniversary as a premier office supply and furniture dealer in mid-Michigan. DBI offers more products and services than any other office supply and furniture dealer in mid-Michigan. Find out what DBI can do for your office at dbis.com. You found the Michigan Corners and we found... Tom Nemechek, who is the Executive Director of Upper Peninsula Travel and Recreation, right here on the Michigan Business Network. And Tom, I want to maybe paint you a quick picture of a very personal issue. One of my best friends in the world and I take off on something that we always call Doncation. And so his name is Don. We go on vacation, so we call it Doncation. And this year, we're headed out across the car ferry, and we're going to get into Wisconsin and drive north and end up in the western end of the UP and shoot our way back around Lake Michigan. So tell me, what do you think of that idea? Is that going to be kind of fun for us? I think it's great. Just don't spend too much money in Wisconsin. Right. Save it for Michigan. (laughs) That's right. You know, just get up in 
cross the border and then you could do whatever you'd like to do. <laughs> Absolutely. Do whatever you got to do. Well, when we come into the Western End, you know, there's different entry points because that's a really long border along that entire stretch for the Western End of the UP. One is the lower uh, southern part where you kind of come in that way and head towards Escanaba. I'm thinking about going even further north and heading up towards the Porcupine Mountains and maybe Lake of the Clouds. So that's kind of a bit of a better known place up there. Tell us a little bit about that far north area. Well, interestingly enough, that's the farthest west of the eastern time zone, which is keep in mind that's a little bizarre because in June it's 1130 at night, it's daylight. <laughs> but uh, you'll be coming up in a different time frame. But the Western UP, we always tell people that the Western UP up into the Keweenaw and such is the most rugged part of the UP. So in other words, more hills, porcupine mountains, hence about 70%, 80% of the waterfalls are in that area. Oh, wow. We have 300 waterfalls that are named there's obviously some that are not waterfalls are a big attraction i mean maybe the largest overall actually you know other than the great lakes well they are and, stunning to look at that's for sure no doubt and the porkies has some very phenomenal ones as well as you know west of their bestmer ironwood lake kogibic is over there which is the largest lake in the upper peninsula so it's great rugged country outdoor opportunities especially along the shores of lake superior yeah well, when you come in with some of the things that we have in the Upper Peninsula, there's a combination of state parks and even some national parks, too. Isn't that true? Yeah, we have three national park units. Isle Royal, which we like to say is a bucket list for a lot of people that would certainly like a wilderness experience. You know, it sits 50 miles off the coast, off the shore of the Keweenaw Peninsula. Mm -hmm. Up in Lake Superior, much closer to Canada and Minnesota than it is Michigan. <laughs> Much closer, actually. And it's, it's part of Michigan, and it's the best wilderness experience by far in the Midwest. Oh, wow. uh, but again, not for everybody. This right. is not like over for the day kind of a thing. Yeah. You know, then we have the Keweenaw up in the same area, the Keweenaw National Historical Park. And that is a, a national park dedicated to that copper story that we talked about a little earlier. Sure. You know, think about the nation giving it a national park status because of the importance of the copper industry that that played in the development of the country. And then the other one is Pictured Rocks National Lakeshore, you know, over in the Munising area. That would be by far the most visited one of the three. In fact, Pictured Rocks is now the number one attraction of the Upper Peninsula. Oh, really? Well, I can see why. I honestly have not been on the boat tour, which I think is the right way to see that area. But just outside of Munising, we've been there to the shoreline, and it's just stunning. And some of the photos I've seen are incredible. And wouldn't you say, Tom, in that Pictured Rock area, isn't there a period in the wintertime when there's some ice caves and some other things that form that are quite stunning? They are. There's both along Lake Superior and there's some south of there that are inland ice caves along some, you know, massive rock outcroppings where the water drips and forms these ice caves. But the ones around Pictured Rocks are Grand Island, which is not part of Pictured Rocks, but it's right next door and very accessible once the ice comes into Lake Superior, especially since that's in the bay. I can tell you the snowmobile traffic out there sometimes is epic. And we also have the Michigan Ice Festival over there. Oh, really? What time of year People, is that? Well, believe me, it's not summer. Nope, not um, at all. <laughs> I don't know the exact date. Oh. It's late in the winter, but people come from all over the country and either partake or witness these climbers that go ice climbing oh up massive 
walls of ice. One year, we had somebody that had done Mount Everest as a featured person. So it's really a massive festival, and you'll see some pictures if they do a search at all, and the pictures are phenomenal. Tom, was that in the Munising area? I'm sorry. Yes, okay. that's Picture Box area. So somebody just got inspired to say, oh, that's me. How would they find this information? Is that a website that you guys curate, or where would they get that information? Yeah, our website, uptravel.com, is completely inclusive. I think it's important the people to realize that we're not a membership-driven organization from the standpoint of everything is there. Anybody that's as a tourist product is on that website. So it's completely inclusive, everything imaginable, winter, summer, spring, fall. So it's the place to go for everything. And again, not membership driven, so it's not just going to give you some. If there's 10 restaurants, there's all 10 are there. If there's 100 restaurants. I love it. That's really good. Well, so it's a definitive information, and that's really awesome when you're looking to try to get the full spectrum. It's not just the person that paid the most advertising dollars or the membership fees. It's the entire picture. Well, Tom, you're giving us the great picture right there of the Upper Peninsula, truly one of the Midwest. And I would consider the nation's crown jewels. It's probably an undiscovered area for so many people. And you're helping us figure it all out right here on Michigan Corners. We'll be right back on the Michigan Business Network after these messages. Physicians Health Plan is local. For 35 years, we've been a part of your community, and we take pride in helping you get the coverage, care, and personal service you deserve. Go to phpmichigan.com for more information. We're the health plan that works for you. This is the Michigan Corners right here on the Michigan Business Network. And we're so glad we have some time today that we're spending with Tom Nemechek. He's the Executive Director of Upper Peninsula Travel and Recreation. We love to talk about all things meetings, events, festivals, tourism, all things in the Great Lakes State. And of course, Tom is an expert on everything north of the bridge and maybe more. But Tom, when we were talking about our last segment, I got us into some of those national parks and some of those wilderness kind of areas and opportunities like that. But tell me, for somebody that maybe just wants to kind of meander, if I enter the western end of the UP, am I going to find very many hotel motel options out there? Well, there's still more trees than we have motels. Yeah. So I just realized. <laughs> Yeah, I've been doing this, I guess, 27 years. And the change that I've seen, especially maybe about 15 years ago, 20 years ago, it really started. The amount of new lodging properties that have been built over the last 20 years. Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, we're talking in many communities, you know, if they've got 20 properties, eight of them are new within the last 20 years. In some cases, it's 15 of them. So, and the other thing is a lot of revamped properties. COVID actually gave people an opportunity, those that could do it, to do a lot of work on their properties as well during that time. Mm. But the investments of new properties, you know, massive new properties, like maybe an old bank building up in Houghton, there's the called the vault. And so a lot of investment, Houghton has a brand new Hampton Inn. Marquette has many new properties, <laughs> big changes in even the resort properties. Some of the smaller ones that might be out along lake shores or things like that, just big difference. New people coming into the area, 
new ideas, new investment. That's been the big change for me in man-made product in the last 25 years. That's outstanding. Well, and Tom, I wonder, just thinking out loud, look, I love to go to chain hotel or motel because you know exactly what you're getting and they're very consistent and the free breakfast and all that other kind of stuff. But I wonder, with all the proud history of the Upper Peninsula, are there any locations or properties that you can think of that are really pretty special in terms of being unique and certainly not a chain feel to them. Anything like that that comes to mind? Well, we're talking about the Keweenaw a little bit up in the Copper Country, and it was such a big story. As I said, there's a place called the Lorium Manor. Lorium is just next to Calumet, and Calumet was the center of the Copper World. It was one of the largest homes ever built in the UP, and it's now a bed and breakfast. Oh, it's just a absolutely stunning facility. I can't even remember how many rooms. I think the house has 40-some rooms. Oh, wow. <laughs> and it doesn't have 40 rooms that rent out, but the house itself had that. It's, it's a first-class place. It tells the story of what the money was like in that area, especially because of the copper industry. You know, there's others. There's the landmark in Marquette, which is a historical right downtown overlooking Lake Superior. And I'm sure everybody's familiar with that one on the island in the East End called Grand Hotel. And, <laughs> We've heard of it. And there's others, the Keweenaw Mountain Lodge up in Copper Harbor, unique setting with a central lodge for dining and eating, or dining, drinking, eating, and then cabins around it. And it was built during the Depression to bring economy to the Keweenaw. So it was one of the many alphabet programs that Roosevelt started. Yeah. It was What's built by yeah, and it's still up there. It's a f phenomenal place. In fact, this year, it was actually given the designation of a dark sky park. Oh, awesome. But it literally is a facility that received that credibility because overlooking Lake Superior is dark. And if you want to see Aurora Borealis and stars, that's the place. There to go. Now, what's the name of that place again? It's called the Keweenaw Mountain Lodge. Okay. And it's a just a mile out of Copper Harbor. So it's up in that very tip. Like we say, that's a peninsula on a peninsula because, and in reality, if people look at the map, the Keweenaw Peninsula is actually an island. I agree, because yeah, I love to study maps like that. And yeah. Tom, you're exactly right. You got to cross bridges to get to it, right? Right. There's one bridge, it's the vertical lift bridge, goes between Houghton and Hancock. Yes. That Portage Canal, which is Lake Superior, goes right through it. So <laughs> it's an island. I like to remind them of that, but we call it the Keweenaw Peninsula. So true, because I guess I'm a junkie for a little trivia like that. On a number of occasions have said that it's actually an island, and you just validated that for me to make sure I wasn't telling fibs. So I just love that. Well, the Keweenaw is certainly a special place. And in this fall, if somebody's planning a leaf experience to see some of the vivid colors of the Upper Peninsula. Keweenaw has got to be part of the plan, doesn't it? It does. And, you know, a little touch on the fall color is, uh, you know, two years out of the last five, we were voted the best fall color by USA Today readers. Oh, wow. In America. So, I mean, forget these little places called Vermont and things <laughs> like that. And we're up for it again. That's going on right now. People are casting their ballots. And so, the way to look at fall color is it starts inland and moves towards the Great Lakes. So depending upon when you come up, you know, let's say the third week of September, you're going to start to see great fall color inland and then 
growing towards the Great Lakes, and it'll go right through the middle of October. Well, it's a special time to go north anytime you go, but I got to tell you, in the fall, it's especially pretty and something to behold. And of course, uh, having a chance to talk with you, Tom, is something to behold. We're so grateful for that. Glad you tuned into the Michigan Business Network. This is the Michigan Corners. I'm Vic Versero. We'll be right back. Sinair has been advancing communities and providing opportunities for people in Michigan for more than 25 years. Through lending, investments, and the creation of homes and jobs, Sinair has made a combined $7 billion impact on the communities they serve. Learn more at www.sinair.com. You found the Michigan Corners, where we talk about all things meetings, events, festivals, and tourism right here in the Great Lakes State. And we found Tom Nemechek, he's the Executive Director, Upper Peninsula Travel and Recreation. And Tom, I just love the western end of the UP. It's kind of an uncharted area for so many of us that live under the bridge. But I'm wondering, as we start heading a little bit more to the east, are there some other pretty cool attractions and experiences that we can have? Yeah, I'll probably zigzag a little bit because the UP is very narrow. And yeah. So it's, in fact, one of the areas we like to kid about is in about an hour time, you can actually swim in Lake Huron, Lake Michigan, Lake Superior, you know, within an hour. <laughs> so if we zigzag a little bit. We go with Marquette, obviously the largest community, but incredibly vibrant downtown. Tens of millions of dollars have been spent in Marquette in the last several years. It truly is, you know, they like to think of themselves as the Queen City, and they are the Queen City. Great history. I like to call it very accessible wilderness or civilized wilderness because of the city. Tremendous attractions along Lake Superior, restaurants, brew pubs, nightlife, university. It's got all going for it right now. Um, Also, iron ore mining. A lot of people forget that we still mine iron ore. So the great freighters that you see through the Great Lakes, some of them go into Marquette on a regular basis to pick up the iron ore. Sure. You know, you can go down south an hour to Escanaba. sits on Bays Danak in Lake Michigan. One of their more famous is the immense amount of walleye fishing they do on Bays Danak. Uh-huh. Well as other fish, they have big fishing tournaments. Fayette's historic state park is down there. And so you can zigzag across, you go back up to Munising on Lake Superior. We touched a little bit on, you know, the pictured rocks national lakeshore, which is 40-some miles long along Lake Superior. So it's really a narrow body of land that goes from the massive rock formations in the west that are so famous to when you get to the eastern end of Grand Marais, it's all big sand dunes. So in a very short distance, you can see unbelievable topography between the rocks and the sand mixed with waterfalls and all sorts of coves and such. So it's a paradise to be able to walk through there and just go in and out of the Lake Superior region. And I guess I said paradise. We should remind people that there is a paradise. (laughs) Very good. (laughs) I don't want to pick on the Lower Peninsula, although I like to, but I can tell you that it's interesting that the Lower Peninsula has held Michigan and we have paradise. That's no coincidence, right? (laughs) Well, I don't think so. So, And then south of Munising and, you know, a little bit east is one of the ones that a lot of people haven't seen called the Sini Wildlife Refuge. Oh, yeah. 
It's a massive 70,000 acre ponds, basically, throughout this area. It was a swamp. And after they took all the timber out many years ago, the federal government turned it into a wildlife refuge. And the area up there, which, you know, one of the more famous parts is there was this guy named Hemingway that used to fish up there. (laughs) And the fun part of Hemingway is that he talked about fishing in one river up there. Actually, he talked about fishing the Two-Hearted River. And the Two-Hearted River is a great place, a lot of canoeing, kayaking, fishing. But being a good fisherman, he didn't really fish there. He fished the Fox River. Oh. Because you don't give up your fishing spots. A real good point. <laughs> That's a real good point. <laughs> yeah, and of course, being a famous novelist, he didn't like the name. Fox River sounds pretty basic, too. Two-hearted sounds a little cool. Yeah. So really, he didn't want to give up his good fishing location. Isn't so that something? The Skinny Wildlife Refuge is a very unique learning area that you can see trumpeter swans and an unbelievable amount of wildlife and beaver and things like that. And you can kayak or canoe through those ponds. Oh, wow. And is that something you can take on 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 your own? Or is there a visitor center at that location that you would stop in and get directions? Or are you just more of an open park? There's a very, very good visitor center that's an interpretive visitor center. So, you know, they want people to understand what it is that they're seeing, you know, both out of respect for how they should conduct themselves, which is important, but also the educational component. Like if I look at a big body of water, what exactly is going on there? Yeah. There is a slow drive through it as well. Probably takes 20 minutes, 15, 20 minutes. You go very slow, probably between 5 and 10 miles an hour. And it goes through several of the open areas of these ponds. And so even if you don't want to get out and hike or anything like that, you get a real look at what this is about. Yeah, well, you know, I got to tell you, that's my kind of vacationing from the front seat of a car. So, <laughs> you know, I love that opportunity and I love what you're sharing today, Tom. It's so fun to talk about one of Michigan's truly undiscovered areas that is a great hidden secret we want to tell everybody about right here on the Michigan Corners. Thanks for tuning in to the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Versero. We'll be right back. For a home equity line of credit, ask for LaughQ. Stop in today or go to laughq.com slash home equity. LaughQ, your credit union for life. Michigan, Michigan. 
This is the Michigan Corner Show right here on the Michigan Business Network. All things, meetings, events, festivals, and tourism of the Great Lakes State. And we have clearly an expert on all things north of the bridge and maybe so much more. But Tom Nemechek is the executive director Upper Peninsula Travel and Recreation. And Tom, as we kind of started in from the western end and we've kind of worked our way across, I guess to the point, is there anything more on the Upper Peninsula? Should we keep going east? Let's go east. Okay. Uh, I think we can tip into Newberry. For many people, that's the beginning of going up towards Dequamina and Falls. Yeah. You know, and on the way up there, there's Oswald's Bear Ranch, which is a guaranteed place you're going to see bear. You often get to see the cubs and things like that as well. But as you go over, you know, towards, you know, we call paradise, again, for a good reason. Tequamanon Falls, the largest waterfall west of a little one called the Niagara. And so it's a massive waterfall, 70,000 acre park. And unique half hour from there up at Whitefish Point is the Great Lakes Shipwreck Museum. Oh, yes, yeah. Definitely a stop for everybody. The light was actually commissioned by Abraham Lincoln. But the history there, of course, about the shipwrecks, and believe me, there's been literally thousands. And, of course, a great story there is the way they tell the story about uh, the Edmund Fitzgerald, the more famous one in recent history. Sure. Sure. So then, you know, you go east and, you know, you go through some really great shoreline along Lake Superior and you get to the Sioux Locks. The Sioux Locks, the busiest locks by both numbers of ships and tonnage in the world. Wow. So That says know, a lot. Great. There's some other pretty big locks around yeah. the world, right? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, the amount, the importance of the Sioux Locks and the economy of the United States is unbelievable. One of the things that's fun, I mean, I think a lot of people know about the iron ore boats that go through, that bring iron ore down to, you know, Gary, Detroit, Cleveland, all those cities. Is in the fall, a lot of the boats or ships going through are ocean-going ships. Oh. Because the Duluth Superior area on the far western end, Duluth, Minnesota, Superior, Wisconsin, that's where a great portion of the grain goes out of there for around the world. Wow. So the ocean freighters that serve certain countries come through the St. Lawrence Seaway, through Toronto, all the way up through Detroit, all the way up through up into Sault Ste. Marie, over to Duluth, Superior, and pick up grain and take that around the world. Mm. So the Sioux Locks play a huge role there because they have to go through the Sioux Locks for the feeding, bringing grain for around the world. Right. But, you know, it's a great entertainment place as far as entertainment, seeing the locks, you get to see the ships go through. And there are companies that you can get on a boat, take a boat tour, and go right through the locks. Yeah. And so it's a great story. It's probably more of a tourism area than I think some people might even think of because seeing the locks and the size of the freighters where you can get fairly close is really incredible. And then there's some restaurants that are in that local area that kind of take advantage of that waterfront area. And one of my favorite, probably not so much of a view, but I think it's called Horns. Have you ever been there? Yeah, been to Horns yeah. <laughs> on Mackinac Island. Yeah, maybe I've got the name wrong, but this one actually has antlers of every kind in it all over the building. And then, of course, it has sirens that go up whenever somebody tips. And it's just, but clearly that one's in the Sault Ste. Marie area. And so I might have the name wrong, but it's just so much fun. You got to go explore that area because there's so much to see. Well, and to correct you on that, you had the name right, but you did it the second time. It's called Antlers. 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 Okay, there we go. 
<laughs> and so, yeah, it's an interesting place. And if you like animal heads and animals, they're all up there on the walls somewhere. <laughs> it's just fun, yeah. Yeah. So that, you know, you work your way down. Yeah, probably the most cop area people know the most about. Then you're almost back to the Mackinac Bridge with Mackinac Island and the many attractions of the St. Ignace area. But if we could just jump east a little more. Wait a minute. Uh, Is there east of the bridge? What's going on yeah, there? <laughs> I know. The people that cross the Mackinac Bridge either go... 95% probably go straight up to the Sioux or left, heading into the larger part of the UP, as we talked about Marquette and West. But if you turn right and go east, you follow the shoreline along Lake Huron in an area called Lachino. It means islands of the snow. And it is a archipelago of many islands that create inland waterways to play on. Uh. So you're in Lake Huron, but you're in completely protected water because of all the islands that sit off along there. It's really a spectacular area. And a little farther west, we can get into Drummond Island. Yeah, and that's quite a place too. Drummond Island's another undiscovered jewel that's up there. And of course, a lot of people don't realize, but you get a little on the, I think it would be the eastern side of Drummond Island, and it's pretty stony. There's pretty good four-wheel drive trails, and I don't think there's any electricity on that end of the island. So it's kind of an unknown and kind of well-preserved spot. Yeah, in fact, it's become a must-do for people that are into four-wheeling, both in ATVs as well as Jeeps and vehicles like that. I witnessed some incredible people going through some areas that I can't even imagine driving through there yeah. but they i was there recently staying at the drummond island resort and uh, sat around in the evening around a campfire with the people that had uh, there were 11 or 12 of them from maybe five different states that had all come up there oh, to do wow. that on drummond island that's awesome well this is awesome talking about our upper peninsula and so glad tom you could join us here on the michigan corners we're going to take a quick break and be right back Michigan Works Association believes the key to advancing prosperity across the state is accomplished through building a skilled workforce. As the state's primary workforce development association, their focus is to continue to move the needle on policy, education, and collaboration. They're creating an opportunity and building stronger communities by advocating and innovating together. Welcome back to 
Michigan Corners, where we talk about all things, meetings, events, festivals, and tourism in the Great Lakes State, right here on the Michigan Business Network. And with us today is Tom Nemechek. He's the Executive Director of the Upper Peninsula Travel and Recreation. And I can tell you, I am really enjoying my little tourism trip across the Upper Peninsula. But you know, as exciting as it is for me to think about East and West, there's other things for us to think about, which is different, I guess, seasons that you guys have and enjoy. So we wrap up fall. We talked about some of the breathtaking color that you can see up there and experiences. But is there anything after that that's worth crossing the bridge for after fall? Well, I think they call it winter. <laughs> and we're the snow capital, literally, of the Great Lakes region. Some of the greatest snow, actually, that are not in the mountainous areas of Colorado. Oh, yeah. Uh, we have areas that have had as much as 400 inches of snow oh in a single year, several that have had 200, 300 on a regular basis. So activity-wise, winter's driven by activity. I mean, we're the number one destination literally in the country for snowmobiles. One of the reasons for that is we get the most snow, the earliest snow, and the longest snow. So uh, the trails open December 1st, and they run through the end of March, March 31st. So snowmobiling is an unbelievable economic driver for us. 2,000 miles of groomed trails. And then what makes it spectacular is the setting. You've got all this great snow. You can ride by or into hundreds of waterfalls. And I have to tell you, waterfalls in the winter are unbelievable. And so, you know, then we have downhill skiing. The western end, Ironwood, Bessemer, Wakefield, and up into the Porkies, that's where the largest ski areas are. There's Iron Mountain has a ski area, Marquette. So all the skiing is central west. Large ski areas, too. Not a lot of Michigan skiers because they come from Wisconsin, Minnesota. Ironwood, Michigan pulls heavily from Minneapolis because it's only four hours away. Oh, wow, sure. In fact, you know, a little trivia there. Ironwood is closer to five state capitals than its own. <laughs> you know, we're at east-west peninsula, so that's what happens. And then cross-country skiing, literally thousands of miles of cross-country skiing, all different types of terrain for that, and ice fishing, snowshoeing, and the list goes on. And the one way to look at the snow is that the heaviest snow, if you draw a line through the middle of the Upper Peninsula, east-west, it's anywhere from the shore to 50 miles in because of the Lake Superior snow belt, as they call it. And the air comes across Lake Superior, picks up the moisture, and then it turns into snow and dumps it in that area. Wow. Mm. Well, when you think about some of the winter events and different things going on there, it's just like everything else. If you have the right equipment and the right clothing, you can go have fun no matter what the temperatures are. And I think that's what's so exciting for me. And one of the things that I think is difficult, Tom, every once in a while we have a winter where there's no snow down here. So it kind of hurts the people that go north because they're not thinking there's snow up there. Well, you know, you guys seldom get in a spot where you don't have snow. Right. I mean, we have seasons that are not as good as others. I can tell you that when Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Lower Michigan have less than good years for snow, we do quite well. <laughs> and then we do quite well anyways, again, because of the trails and the majestic setting and 200 or 300 or 400 inches of snow. But it is good to spread it out. We're happy when other areas get snow. Oh, sure. Well, one of those things, too, with those ponds on either side of you guys, you know, that tend to be a little bit of a lake effect snow. But hey, before we run out of time, you know, you mentioned Hemingway up north and it just it struck my memory that it seems like there's been other quite famous people that have found the resources and the action. Uh, Access to the Upper Peninsula is quite important to their businesses. Any of those come to mind? 
Yeah, there was this guy, Henry Ford, Tom Edison, <laughs> and Harvey Firestone. They oh, used wow. to come up together and go camping, they called it. And let's just say when they camped, they were pretty well taken care of. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Ford owned an awful lot of land up here. And so the three of them came up and did quite a bit of camping and just great pictures of them out there in the woods. I hate to call it roughing it, but they were up <laughs> Quite a bit. <laughs> well, you know, that's part of the whole legend of the Upper Peninsula. And it's so amazing that you have spent your life there and now get to spend your time promoting and discussing Upper Peninsula. And so there's a lot of us that have on our bucket list to get to certain areas of the Upper Peninsula. We haven't even been there yet. Some of us have traveled around the world and have yet to get to Iron Mountain or Ironwood. So we got to break that spell. And so tell me, if we want to do some planning and kind of get that figured out, is there a way that we would follow up with you guys to try to get that kind of help and resource? Yeah, again, our website is uptravel.com. We break the Upper Peninsula down in regions because it is a pretty big body of land. We break it up into East, Central, West, so you can get an idea of the chunk that you can do while you're up here. Highly recommend you just see one region. Otherwise, you're just driving. Yeah, Uh, It's great to get into the one region, drill down a little bit to what the activities are that you're interested in, and go from there. It's virtually all there again. Lodging, campgrounds, it doesn't matter, it's all there. Well, Tom, the Upper Peninsula is truly a treasure for these United States as well as Michigan. And uh, you are a treasure for the Upper Peninsula and being an ambassador for them and doing all that you're doing. Thank you so much for being with us. We really appreciate it, Tom. It's been great. Thank you. Well, it's been great that you tuned in to this edition of Michigan Corners, where we talk about all things, meetings, events, festivals, and tourism of the Great Lakes State. I can't wait to see you down at the corners next time when we get together and talk about Michigan. All the best. 